0: Hello and welcome to the movie podcast review of Mank. This is David Fincher's first major film since Gone Girl from 2014, and it's coming straight to your home on Netflix.
1: Netflix.
0: Is that is that the theme song for Netflix? Uh, yes. It is now. It is now. Oh, okay. I would say it's now. Okay,
2: Netflix. Let us know. You could t- You could just pull it right out of this recording. And drop it in front of all your movies from and now And they'll on. just never send us another screener
0: again. So thank you again. <laughs> thank you again to Netflix <laughs> for sending us a screener. But uh, Anthony, do you want to tell us what Mank is all about?
1: Mank tells the story of screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish his script for Orson Welles's Citizen Kane. Taking place during the golden age of Hollywood, you experience the struggles Herman must endure, including alcoholism, corruption, elitism, politics, sleaze, and glamour. Everything that you would find during the golden age of Hollywood. <laughs> so intense. The movie wow. stars Gary Oldman, and Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Armis Howard, who is, um, if you remember, from Jurassic Park, I believe he's the, uh, what's his name, Hammond's son from Jurassic Park.
0: Yes, yes. And yes. Charles Dance. From Game from, of Thrones. From the Lost World of Jurassic Park, yes.
2: Yes, from the Lost World of Jurassic Park, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a great cast in this film. There is. There's a really great cast and great performance in this film.
0: Daniel, do you want to kick us off with uh, how you felt about this film?
2: Yeah, I would love to. Shay, thank you for kicking it over to me. No um, this is a David Fincher film. Mm-hmm. And I think this film is crafted so beautifully like every single david fincher film is without his signature trademarks in the sense of just you you, you kind of go into a david fincher film expecting his you know his isms you know you yes. go the same way you go into a quentin tarantino film and you know what to expect mm-hmm. in the sense of what from his trademark uh everything just from just his style and what i w- would say about mank that i really loved is that the attention to detail in this film is absolutely astounding. And that is something that David Fincher is known for. And everything from the way the sound is mixed in in this film, everything the way the transitions happen in this film, the acting, the way dialogue is enunciated, it's it's crafted like I was watching a film right out of the 1930s. And I think that's the biggest compliment I could give this film is that it is such an incredibly detailed and crafted movie that just really makes you film that one you're watching a movie from that time or two it was just created in that time because everything that's happening and we know this film was written by david fincher's father um jack I'm blanking on this, jack, jack fincher, fincher yeah. you know um this is a film a screenplay that he wrote this is just something that i was just blown away with the amount of detail and nuance in the script that Really made me feel like this was something that was just kind of sitting in a vault for years and they decided to make it now where this is just a film that was just sitting somewhere already made and they're like, hey, let's release it on Netflix Mm because it really transports you to 1930s. Mm. And um, I really, I guess we'll talk, we'll get soon talking to our reactions, but my, my goodness, like just what a incredibly detailed film. I will say.
0: Yeah, I, I really felt that about this film as well. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about his movies and how he's he's always made them. And honestly, this is definitely his, I think, his most ambitious project in the sense of if a few years ago he wanted to get this movie made, I don't know if he would have. Like, David Fincher has pull in most places, uh, but he wouldn't have been able to get this film into theaters, I think. And I think Netflix really was like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll take it we'll yeah. do we'll do whatever you want blank check go ahead and you know the film completely shot in black and white there isn't even a color version of this movie out there um it is absolutely stunning it is you you would have to like tell me that it's a david fincher film for me to know that it is a david fincher film because again a lot of his isms are completely gone in my opinion
2: and right. i think what you said there shay is it rings so true because you know this film is all about the struggles It takes to get a film made, Mm. and you see the politics. I think you see the politics and about movie studios most in this Mm -hmm. film that you really don't really see portrayed in film because you know studios kind of shy away from that politics, right? You know, this movie has to deal deals a lot with throwing shade at MGM and Paramount and Warner Brothers and Universal. All of the major studios get shade thrown at them, and it's funny that this film is a Netflix film. And you know, I think back to last year where uh you know scorsese got to make the irishman and you know that's scorsese just doing whatever the hell he wants and i think this is david fincher doing the very exact same thing Mm -hmm. um there's a quote in this movie that i love so much by from louis um uh, louis meyer who's like the co-founder producer at mgm who like he's he's kind of like walking there's an amazing sequence in the film where um Gary Oldman character's mank is walking through the studio with his brother and kind of getting a tour of MGM and mm. Louie just kind of tells him that like this is the business the business where the buyer gets nothing for his money mm-hmm. but a memory and it's just like that line just resonated so much with me there's a bunch of lines of this one but that's it just it's just so interesting to see how studios make just the movie business. It's a business, It's there's politics to it and it's just, it was really cool seeing behind the scenes of all that as well. It
1: was funny because a lot of the things that they talked about is still relevant to today. Definitely. Which was, you know, when they started, when they did the, the, uh, the acted talkies um, for the politicians and they were all actors who were pretending yeah. to be and it was just like, oh, they had their fake news back then when you know the political was- campaign ads right correct um i'm in the same boat visually it looks stunning um performance wise amazing this was i think david Fincher- david fincher's opportunity to work with his father which is mm-hmm. a huge reason why uh, this movie was made um netflix being able to give him the freedom to make this type of movie because this movie is not meant for everyone. No, um, it is revolving around old Hollywood. A lot of the things that you will, if you do watch it, a lot of the things that you will hear, especially during the, the studio debacle and politics is very, um, I would say very lost during, during the, during our time because we were not fully aware what was happening in the 30s and 40s, especially with old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a film connoisseur, this might be your movie. Would I? Would you guys agree? Like yeah. a very astute film connoisseur. I, I don't consider yeah. myself a connoisseur of astuteness.
0: Oh wow! But. <laughs>
1: Well, are you sure that's not on your resume a connoisseur of a st- astutement you know <laughs> I, i'm already, I'm already
0: uh,
2: struggling saying that <laughs> um but that but no i'm I, I agree anthony like this i think this film like I, I i very much enjoyed it but i also i don't consider myself like a you know a, uh, like In a, film, a school. Bougie mm-hmm. film school let me tell you about my astutement um but i i really loved kind of seeing like just the just the dirty and grimy side of Hollywood mm-hmm. that you don't really get to see in it. And I think like just kind of having Orson Wells as like this looming presence throughout the film was it, it was really I, I really liked how he was implemented because I, I like him with the studio executives were kinda like the antagonists to Mank throughout this. And I think we haven't spoken too much about it, but I think Gary Oldman gives just a phenomenal and I think, especially in this year, he's a lock for Best Actor, Actor, oh, Nominee. Oh, God. Uh, sorry, I was best I was op- enunciating my, my Best Actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> best Actor. Best um, Actor. I think he's a lock for Best Actor, mm-hmm. a Nominee, easily for the Oscars mm-hmm. next year.
0: I really enjoyed... Um, uh, sorry, Daniel, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Was, that's all I had to say. I was just going to say, I really enjoyed seeing uh, Lily Collins in this movie. I think she did oh, such great. a great job, and um, her chemistry with... Um, uh, Gary Ullman, I thought was just wicked. There were, there were a lot of fun together and we talk a lot about how this movie is made, but you know, they have those, uh, the film reel burns at the very top. Every time, you know, the film is sometimes even stutters because of the, the film reel, but obviously shot all digitally. Um, the, the way the titles come in, like, um, like typewriter, typewriter. Beautiful. And even what I noticed a lot was when we were, when we were watching it, the, the fade in and fade out, like, there's so many times that I'm watching this movie that I, that I genuinely believed I was watching a movie made in that era. And that time, the only thing that would remind me that it was from present day is Gary Ullman. Even Amanda Seyfried looked like she was from that time. And love 100%. But, yes. but Gary Ullman to me, like he just, he's very noticeable to me. But if I didn't know who Gary Ullman was, I would have just hundred percent believed this is a film from that time period. And I think to that credit, David Fincher absolutely succeeds. Yeah. Um, when we talk about not what it not, not to say I didn't like, but overall the film, yes, it, it it has subject matter that is very specific. You really have to care. Like I am I'm I don't care too much about Citizen Kane and I might get a lot of flack for that, but because of that reason, maybe I wasn't as invested into that element of it. But the second half of this movie, when you know things start to really uh, take a turn and you get more involved in his writing and his his struggles with orson that's when i was like oh man i'm i'm so on board with what's happening here because i'm so interested uh but again not to take away that the first half is bad or anything but it's just that's not where it gripped me it really got me the second half personally
2: yeah I- yeah i guess that's the price for admission in this film almost you know like you have to go in with the expectation i'm like yeah this if you're not into to film you may not find the subject matter as interesting, but if you are, I think there's a lot to get out of it. But I still think there's just performance-wise, there's a lot just to still enjoy so from much. it. Just to just to tr- just to immerse yourself in that world, mm-hmm. I think is really special. Um, Anthony, you were going to say
1: something? Yeah, I no, I agreed. The the second half of the film um, was a lot stronger than the first half, uh, and it could be just based on what was you know, the criteria. But yes, once you start seeing the struggles and you see you see the the downfall and the upwind and the turnarounds um by herman especially when he's dealing with alcoholism and 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 the politics of getting a movie done on time within mm-hmm. i don't know i think he had like 14 days or 10 days and orson wells kept putting you know huge deadlines on him more and more. Right. And more. Yeah, it
2: started off and, at like 90 days, and then 60 days, and then, you know, it just kind of kept creeping up faster and faster on him. Yeah,
1: and you get to this point where he's like, you know what? The amount of work I've done, I want credit for this movie. Of course. And that, there's no there's no spoiler in this. That is That is the biggest part of this film, where it is a love letter to screenwriters and how they and how they've weren't credited back then as much as they are now, and how right. this chain reaction rev- revolutionized writers in general for film. Right, right. It's uh, it's it's very interesting to
2: think that you know. Again, like we see a lot of. Uh, throughout a lot of films that like from the past are like oh how relevant is that today but like even for uh, this echoes kind of across all industries where you know the movie business yes the way we watch movies changes and yes how we watch movies changes and all of all of that but how a movie gets made a lot of that is still very much built on these old old practices of these studios and how like politics is all involved in that money and it's it's just interesting that you're watching this, you're like, man, like, as us who we're talking about the news every week on the movie podcast, and like, we're kind of hearing about these wheelings and wheelings and dealings about how films are being made and not being made, and this is getting pushed, and this is getting moved. It's just interesting to be like, yeah, you know, this is still the same way Hollywood was almost 100 years ago now. Like, this is the base of it is still there.
0: Now, one of the things that we, we haven't touched on yet is um, the fabulous score of the movie. Uh, oh, my goodness. Again, you know, David Fincher has partnered with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, but upon watching this film, you have to have to convince me that they actually did the score for this movie because it is obviously not like them at all. And I'm really glad it wasn't the scary, creepy synth that we might <laughs> normally hear, But they really... You know, took that era's music and did such a phenomenal job with it, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, there's that big band, jazzy orchestra vibe to it, mm-hmm. and and like as soon as you see their names pop up in the credits, you're like, oh, here we go. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross are going to give us another like this this crazy. My subwoofer is about to explode. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I'm just like, oh wow, this is a very different score from them. And again, it fits the era. We we spoke about this earlier, but the way the films edited, the transitions, the titles the sound, I remember Anthony, you messaged us yeah. you were like, hey, have you guys started watching Mank yet? And we're like, oh, we're about to and they're like, yeah, I don't know if it's my TV it almost reminds me of like when you're when your you're sound is coming out of your surround sound instead of coming out of like a main speaker, like it just sounds very distant and there's the reverb and then you realize, oh no, this is something that they're trying to evoke in the movies yeah. of, yeah. Seven, uh, of uh, like 90 years ago of
1: how films were made yep I was, I was worried. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> what what is happening with my TV? And like, there's no, <laughs> my like broken. It, it actually like watching a movie now and comparing it to something that happened, you know, 60 years or 70 years ago, the amount of clarity and uh, contrast within that sound, you, you, you lose it from, from, you know, a film that's taken place that's, it's, that is being presented in a way that it's original to what it would look like or sound like during that time. Remember, right. it's the 30s, right? right? No, 1940s, 30s. So, um, I don't know. Sound and film weren't, weren't, weren't there yet. yet.
0: They weren't married yet.
1: You know? I, I know it was uh, Howard Hughes and um, his movie with the planes forgot what it's called
2: the aviator no, no. Like a
1: fire oh fire. the one with the spitfire yeah right? where he created he blended sound and video together hell's
0: angels hell's angels that's hell's it.
1: angels which i think won an academy award for that technology
0: yeah
1: um but yeah man i would if you guys if you if the audience if you do watch it put the subtitles on because it might be too hard to to understand
0: this is definitely a movie you want to put the subtitles on for. Oh, 100%. That's a
2: new trend for 2020, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta but here's the thing, like I, I'm so thankful for for Netflix that those options are there out of the gate. Especially again, I know this is a bit more inside baseball for us, but having subtitles available when for review purposes as well really helps uh, you really appreciate the dialogue. In a film that's all about screenwriting, you really wanna appreciate the words that are being said by these actors. Mm-hmm. And um, just like what Anthony said, like it's definitely one you want subtitles on for. It's one that you want to be able to really understand and kind of hear what these, um, these actors are, are
1: performing.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: Now, sorry, go ahead. Shay.
0: No, no, go ahead. Anthony.
1: I, I just wanted to say um, Lewis B. Mayer was a piece of shit. Yep.
2: <laughs> he was a piece of shit, man.
1: I think it was such a piece of shit.
2: It's uh, again. It's it's that that classic Hollywood. this you know, I'm the head of a studio. This is my way. I'm the king of the world, and I have my my fingers and all the, the the in all the pies going on in California his, right now. His, and-
1: his demeanor and his manipulative um, oh, character sure. in which he he convinces his his team to give up half their pay for you know four sorry eight weeks, or oh, when he's at goodness. the funeral and he's crying. Uh, because his business partner passed, and he gets in the car and he just like chucks the uh the handkerchief away like yeah i'm yeah i'm done I'm with done this. with this act yeah i don't know how i again, this is someone who we clearly don't know, and he died a very long time ago, but if that was the case, wow piece of shit piece of shit yeah. and it and it's just like
0: these
2: are the pillars of old hollywood and again he has another line in the film where it's like the only the most important like like talking about how people are so disposable um the stars like how we say the only star that matters is like the is the lion right at the beginning yeah, of the mgm louis?
1: they called louis, yeah, the, louis, lion.
2: louis the lion yeah. yeah so it's just it's just funny just again how just how much of it like these are jobs for a lot of people you know Hollywood like we, we think of the glitz and glamour but for a lot of people these are just like blue collar jobs Yeah, you know and mm. I think that gets lost sometimes when we just kind of see the stars but not the 99% of that gets to build that world I
1: absolutely agree what did you guys think of the script like the screenplay for this film
2: I liked it again I, I felt like I was watching a film of that time and I think uh, I think it did such a great job with that and uh, I, I I thought uh, Mr. Fincher did a, a great job, and it was, uh, I, yeah. I, I just I thought it was great. Yeah.
1: What did you What did you think? You know, this I, I don't know if this was his first film. I think it is his first film. Uh, he is a journalist screenwriter, so uh, it might be his. He might have done. Another he
2: wrote. Film. Uh, I'm I'm just reading his uh his bio right now. Uh, he wrote a Howard Hughes biopic. Um, back in the day. But that didn't get chosen to become the aviator. And then he passed away in 2003, which yeah. is Oh, wow. Um,
0: I, didn't crazy. I didn't yeah, know he that. He was born in 1930, you know? But yeah, he passed away really young. I know that Fincher wanted to do this movie a long, long time ago. I think around the time of the game. Um, but obviously, this is a hard movie to get made.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Fun fact, George Lucas was one of his neighbors. Ooh. Crazy. Uh, the script
1: feels like it. it's very strong and technical I don't know if that's r- the right words but it's you do have to have those subtitles on because it's a lot of talk and it's a lot of slang especially for that time period and there's a lot of things that are being referenced that you might have to go and search on the on the uh, Google machine and uh, kind of figure out oh he was referring to this and that because it is a time period of 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 you know, new films and new, new everything. This is, everything was completely new. Um, I, the script was a little, it wasn't, I can't say it was bad. I just, it was just intense.
2: Yeah. It was very different from what we're used to with traditional films. Right. because like, the, just the structure of this movie alone is very different because it's not very, it's not like a first act, second act, third act. It's like, Here's the situation flashback. Here's the situation flashback. A lot of back and forth, Um, you know. So like you're not really getting, you're getting a climax, but it's also in the structure of the film that's the climax is kind of in the in a flashback. There's a lot of non-linear storytelling happening here, but um,
1: yeah, there's no gripping gripping dialogue. They like. Make you stop what you're doing and say, "Well, what's? Oh, this is great." There are a couple of scenes you mentioned, you know, when they're you're introduced to the head of MGM, but it's not like something like a out of a Aaron Sorkin film that that type of dialogue, sure, Sure. uh, that you would find.
0: Right, right. So, if if you guys have anything else to say, we can go ahead and say. But if you guys are good, let's go ahead and tell our audiences if they should watch it or how they should watch it. Or maybe if they don't, if they shouldn't watch it, then I'll be sorry to you.
2: Uh, for sure. You know, we spoke about this movie for a lot longer than I thought we were. Mm. Um, but again, I think there's so much to dissect and I know we're going to go into it more on the movie podcast on Monday. Um, I would say for this movie, watch it, but also know going into it that this is a film about making a film, and that's already kind of like a you get a you got an automatic pass in my heart sometimes yes. with how much I how much I'm going to appreciate that. But I I do think this is a, such a phenomenally well made film. Um, I think it's definitely worth watching, and I definitely think you should give it a shot if you're listening to a podcast about movies. I could pretty much say that you you'll 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 probably dig it, um, or at least appreciate what it's trying to do. Uh, but no, going into it that.
1: This is a very different type of movie, but I will say who watch it. Mm-hmm.
0: Anthony, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm in the in the same boat. I just want to set the the right expectations for our audience that when you're when you hit play, be expected to, you know, use your active listening and and really pay attention to to what's happening on screen because there is um there is a lot that you might get lost in and that's okay. Um, this movie is, again, uh, very astute to a time period that you might not be aware of, but I still think you should give it a chance. Um, do I think this is David Fincher's greatest film? No. Um, but it's it's something that he, he did very well with. And um, it, again, it's a love letter to his father and to screenwriters. So if you really like, screenwriters and movies, I think you should give it a try.
0: Yeah, and to run it out all the way to me, I I agree with both of what you guys said. Uh, This movie clocks in at about two hours and 12 minutes, and uh, it's not like you can really feel the length of the film, but just be ready that there is definitely some commitment going into it about the subject matter and also the type of film that it is. Overall, I definitely will say that it's very enjoyable, especially if you love this type of stuff. Um, so I'd say definitely watch it, but again, it's it is a difficult one to say for everybody, the general audiences to go watch. But if you've heard of Mank, then you're probably already interested in this movie. Um, so again, that's that's our review of Mank. Now we have episodes of the movie podcast coming out every single Monday. We got a few more left for this year, of course. We also have our Die Hard commentary that just came out. So if you want to snuggle up with you know your best friend or your lover, and you want to put on the Nakatomi disaster that occurred <laughs> <laughs> in 1988, 1988 and you know, based, on a, based on a true story of, of police officer John McClane, yeah, uh, the hero, a hero John in my eyes and all of our eyes here at, at the <laughs> podcast, go ahead and put that on and, and you can pretend like you're watching it with us, like we're, we're sitting on the couch with you while you snuggle up with the person that you
2: love. Let's just hope that we're not having to wait another six years for a David Fincher film.
1: I don't want to wait that long. Let's hope for... For yeah, let's hope for you know. I would want um, <laughs> what's the what's the movie? I don't
0: uh, know
1: World War, uh World War Z. He oh, was oh, you wanted to make World War Z you want to make a
0: sequel? Hey, eh? eh? that's not going to happen.
1: Or some sort of true crime film because he does Ooh, that really well. I,
0: def- I definitely want another one of those. All right, no more no more, cool. <laughs> no more, no more manks type of stories.
1: No more, more
0: Mank. two, the Mankin.
1: No, still Mank. I'm uh, still Mank, but with <laughs> still M-A-N-K, but with two barrels.
0: Oh wow! Of you just... vodka. Oh wow! Even better. And that was the movie podcast review from Mank. Take care and have a good one, guys.